Stella made a beat, so it's go time. Welcome back, guys, to the very first Core 4 of the Decade, the first podcast on the GBB Podcast Network for 2020. Whether you're listening on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Megaphone, please like, subscribe, follow, whatever you do to gas up the homies and support. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than Connor Dunning, the producer for the Giannato and Jeffrey show every day from two to four. What's up, Connor? What's up, sir? How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. The Grizzlies just closed off December and had a very strong 2019 with a 8-8 month. And to be honest, it's in large part to do with probably improved guard play, maybe some progressions to the mean. For one, Tyus Jones found his rhythm as he averaged around seven and five. Se- yeah, seven and five throughout the month. While also shooting nearly a 50, 40, 90 shooting line. And then two guys we wanna we wanted to talk about today. DeAnthony Melton and Grayson Allen. And so those two guys um, they didn't really get much. They got a little slow start to start the season. Melton, on one hand, he started the season off hurt with a back injury to where he was kind of forced out of training camp and out of preseason, but he made a s- stronger recovery than expected. He was actually clear to pe- play at the start of the season, but there just wasn't any room for him in the rotation. But some injuries opened up, primarily an injury to Grayson Allen who also had a slow start due to just not finding a shot and also the injury. But then finally, both players just kind of solidified their rotation spot in December. And Connor, what do you make out of their December and their strong start? Is it something definitely to monitor as something like, hey, these guys can be on the next good Grizzlies team? Or is it just kind of like a playing out of their minds kind of thing? Um, I think that we're actually seeing the talent that DeAnthony Melton and Grayson Allen actually both possess. Now, the question that the Grizzlies are going to have to come to answer at some point is, is it possible for us to have Dylan Brooks, Grayson Allen, and DeAnthony Melton? Is that kind of a logjam right there at the two position? It's Now, it is nice because we've been wanting this problem for the Grizzlies for a couple of years now. We finally have a group of legit young two-guard prospects that we're not trying to force in. It's not a Jamal Adams situation and stuff stuff like like We can go through a whole list of ex-two-guards that the Grizzlies have tried to force into that position that just have not worked. Now, I think D'Anthony Melton might be the best prospect we've had at the two-guard in a long time. I know you're a huge Grayson Allen fan, but between the two, which one do you think that the Grizzlies – should invest more in. I, I tend to believe that they need to invest a little bit more in D'Anthony Melton because he is younger and he tends to do a little bit more thing more on the court than Grayson Allen can do. But both, I think, are very important. And I've been beating the drum 
for pretty much Dylan Brooks' whole career. I think he is destined to be a very good, I, very good, maybe a, a little bit of a stretch, but a, a good six man coming off of the bench for some team. It may be for the Grizzlies. It may be for a contender. It may not be, but I think that he, he is destined to be a six man in the NBA and with his contract kind of coming up and the emergence of DeAnthony Melton and Grayson Allen, the Grizzlies have a, they have a decision to make moving forward. So if I had to rank the three, I would probably go Melton, Brooks, Allen right now. But I think that all three have positives and something that they can get to the Grizzlies team moving forward. And I think that each has a case to be made to be part of the Grizzlies future. But I do think that DeAnthony Melton is the most valuable of the three. Right. I would definitely have to uh, kind of agree with you that DeAnthony Melton is the most important. Um, I want to say earlier this week or last week, I was looking at cleaning the glass and the Grizzlies are 18 points better with Melton on the court than they are with him off. And that's mm-hmm. way ahead of everyone else, maybe by like 10 points. So that kind of, kind of goes to show you his value right there. For one, he's shown potential as a three-level score. Like right now it's three-point shooting. It's kind of average, but he's also reluctant shooter, but he's already an elite defender for his position, and I think with his defensive abilities next to John Morant, it kind of alleviates pressure on that end for Jaw because let's say there's those matchups to where like a, like a Denver Nuggets situation. They have Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. You could put John Morant on Gary Harris, and you can allow D'Anthony Melton to focus on Jamal Murray, who is a microwave score and easily the more potent offensive player between the two. But also right. with his reluctancy shooting the basketball, for one, he focuses on the intangibles as far as he gets to the rim, he picks and chooses his spots getting to the rim. He's averaging three assists a game, so he's a decent secondary playmaker option as well. And it also, too, it just doesn't take away shots for John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., which is something that everybody in the Grizzlies fan base – Twitter, media, whatever, they've been complaining about with Jay Crowder and Dylan Brooks is that they take away shots from guys like John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I would flip-flop Grayson Allen and Dylan Brooks. I just think it's just because of the contract situation. Uh, Grayson Allen, he's a 42% three-point shooter right now. So he's showing that he could be one of the better shooters that this team's had since like Mike Miller. But he also doesn't force a shot like how Dylan Brooks does. He picks and chooses when he wants to attack, when to play make. He's really good at leaking out in transition. I would say the advantage for Brooks is just size and the ability to create off the dribble and the fact that his ceiling is higher as far as like, okay, when this guy has a good night, who's going to put up the better numbers? And it's Brooks, as we've seen the Grizzlies. But they have better control of Grayson Allen's contract. Um, Before the season started, they picked up his third-year option, which means I think he shouldn't be a free agent until 2022. So he's on that rookie deal for two more years. Whereas this coming summer, they're going to have to decide between D'Anthony Melton and Dylan Brooks. And I think one of them will have to go, and I would rather prioritize Melton. But this is a good problem to have, obviously. Right. Yeah, and I think that you bring up a really good point about D'Angelo Melton and his ability on defense and how he can actually help John Moran on the perimeter because we've seen for many years now that NBA teams have had a 
electric offensive point guard that may not be the best on defense, but they can kind of hide him on defense. And that's been, I mean, it's been successful for the Golden State Warriors for how many years now they have Clay Thompson. And, and I am in no way saying D'Anthony Melton is a Clay Thompson type of level player, but they have the same strategy there. Clay Thompson defends the bigger point guards for Steph, the ones that are harder to defend. They can hide him a little bit. He can save his energy. For, so when he goes on the offensive end, and it, it's just, it's so interesting because when you look at the advanced numbers and just the numbers in general between the three, two players are essentially the same. They put up similar production and then one's an outlier. And the outlier is Anthony Melton. I mean, just looking at their PER, Grayson Allen is 11.6, Dylan Brooks 11.6, DeAnthony Melton is 17.3. League average is 15 right there. So that means that it's by far DeAnthony Melton is, is better than Grayson Allen and Dylan Brooks, and he's better than most of the league in that position. Now, a big thing that I like that you talked about with DeAnthony Melton is that he can be a secondary playmaker. He doesn't necessarily have to be a scoring two guard. He is a very good playmaker. His assist percentage is 25.4. That is great. Steal percentage, 3.8. Block percentage, 1.1. He is making plays happen on the offensive end and on the defensive end, and he doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands to affect the game. And when you have players like John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. running around, and especially Brandon Clark, they're the type of guys that you need the ball in their hands. The more shots that they get, the better you are at basketball. I know, it, it's crazy. Sometimes the game can be so complicated, I guess. It's, but it, it's a simple concept. Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, Brandon Clark, the more shots they get, the better your basketball team is. It's, it's simple math, and DeAnthony Melton is the type of player that's going to get your best players better, efficient shots. So he should be that two-guard position. And I do think it's a real conversation that we can start having now. When does DeAnthony Melton slide into that starting, starting lineup? Does Dylan Brooks bump back to be the sixth man? Do we see how it looks? I think they have to see how it looks because all of the numbers tell us that DeAnthony Melton improves the ceiling of this team, improves the ceiling – of the starting lineup. So I think he has to be in there. You know, I'm glad you asked because I do have a dream rotation and it's something that I would want to see post trade deadline. And I think that actually answers your questions when it's going to happen. I think post trade deadline, whenever they move one of Jay Crowder or Solomon Hill, I would like to see a starting lineup of John Morant, DeAnthony Melton, and then Dylan Brooks at the three. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., Jonas Valanciunas. I like that. I don't hate that. So you would rather have, so you would rather have Dylan Brooks at the three rather than Kyle Anderson to start the game. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't care either way because mm-hmm. you can do you can have Kyle in there, and then your bench rotation would be Tyus, Grayson Allen, Solomon Hill, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, and I think. I think it's just one of those things for me with the fit. Um, Melton and Jonas Valanciunas are both pretty decent shooters and floor spacers, but their reluctancy to shoot it just kind of um, clunks the court a little bit. And I think it would just clunk it even more with Kyle Anderson. So -hmm. just give Dylan Brooks out there where you not only have someone who can shoot the three, but someone who has that trigger to make defenses honest. And I... I wrote about it at the beginning of the season. I'm in love with the Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson pairing, especially in the second unit. I think them two plus Tyus Jones are a large reason as to why the Grizzlies do have a top bench in the NBA in terms of scoring. 
So I don't, I just don't want to break that up. That's my thing. That, no, that, that makes perfect sense to me. It's just, it's one of those situations in which do you see if, because it's kind of like a free shot season. And the reason I would want to see Dylan Brooks off the bench this year is just to see what it looks like. Let's see how the Anthony Melton looks in the starting lineup. Let's see how Kyle Anderson runs in the starting lineup. Because, I mean, Kyle Anderson's getting paid enough money to where it's, you could say going to the starting lineup. Makes a lot of sense. He puts up great numbers. He makes plays happen on the offensive end. He's very good defensively. I think he'd be fine in the starting lineup or not. You bring up a very good point, though, with his pairing with Brandon Clark. You don't want to mess up that chemistry that they have going there. So I'll, I'll accept your argument for him uh, being the sixth man instead of Dylan Brooks. But it's, it's going to be interesting because – what do you do with Grayson Allen then? Is Grayson Allen, does he turn into your sixth man or is Kyle Anderson your sixth man or is Grayson Allen your seventh man? You see what I'm saying? It's the Grizzlies. It's one of those things where we have to decide, do we want a score to come off the bench first or do we want a playmaker to come off the bench first? Which is going to work best in that second unit? I mean, because I do like the idea of Kyle Anderson being kind of the leader at the wing with Tyus Jones for that second unit because that gives you – two great playmakers that take care of the basketball, high IQ players there. But at the same time, Dylan Brooks against the second unit could really heat up. And I feel like that his inefficiency and his questionable shot taking would be, it it wouldn't hurt the Grizzlies as much from the bench. And it would actually make more sense in that role because he is the type of guy where he's a lightning wrong. Like dude comes in and sometimes he'll put up a, a 20-point quarter, but then the next quarter he won't score at all. And I think that having that in the starting lineup is it, – it's kind of – we've seen how it goes. It is The Grizzlies live by Dylan Brooks. They die by Dylan Brooks some nights. And I just think putting him on the bench would help stabilize that and it would take the dependency on Dylan Brooks a little bit down for the Grizzlies. And putting that more on Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson, I think, just helps that starting lineup become more consistent. Yeah, I mean, I really like that argument. Um, I think one thing that kind of goes unnoticed in that is I think Brandon Clark is more of the sixth man, similar to like a Montrez Harrell and before the season to Monta Sabonis, where they're that undersized five who, and they're hyper efficient. Um, they just dominate second unit big men. So I, th- and also too, I think it's one of those things where the Grizzlies don't even have that six man as far as like that that Lou Will, that Monty Ginobili, that Will Barton or anything. I think it's one of those things that's just by committee. I mean, you have two elite playmakers for their positions and kind of like their basketball demographic and Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson. Tyus Jones is in the top 10 in assists per 100 possessions. And we know how good Kyle Anderson is a playmaker at that playmaking four. And then Brandon Clark's averaging like 13 and six as a bench player. You're getting that kind of production off the bench. And then also too, that doesn't even factor in those nights where like Solomon Hills hit three or four threes as we've seen him do, or Grayson Allen has a good shooting night from beyond the arc. So, I mean, yeah, I do like the argument of having that pure traditional six man that goes out and just gives you buckets, but I don't think they can just go wrong either way. Because I do think it is just as important to have that six-man role as you have another perimeter player that can take scoring pressure off John Morant, where if John Morant's not on, you have Dylan Brooks who can at least get something going potentially. Okay. Yeah. So the reason that I was talking about Brandon Clark as 
I was talking to as in more of like the starter because I think that Dylan Brooks is could be the sixth man for the future, not necessarily the season. I just think it would be nice to see if we could go ahead and try out the Dylan Brooks six man experiment because I think all of us watching the games can we can all predict that Brandon Clark is a future starter for the Memphis Grizzlies. I think he's either the future he's definitely the future four for the Grizzlies. You could argue that he could possibly play the three in the future next to Jaron Jackson Jr. Have him at the five when he's ready. It just kind of depends on what we're going to do with Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, but it's – what do you think – how do you think Dylan Brooks would react if he did get moved to the bench? Because he's the type of guy – I don't know if he's – he's probably been a starter since he was, what, in high school, maybe even before that. What do you think that's going to do to the mentality of Dylan Brooks? Do you think that maybe one reason that the Grizzlies haven't really messed with the starting lineup is because they're worried to – you to see if they don't want to mess up his rhythm or they think that he may not react very well to it. When, you, when you're in the locker room with so many young guys and impressionable guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, it's Dylan Brooks is, one, what, the most senior Grizzly next to Kyle Anderson, so they're probably looking to him a little bit. Do you think that the Grizzlies are hesitant to change his role because they don't want to see what happens? The effect could be negative. I, I don't necessarily put too much weight into that, but that is a point that some Grizzlies fans have brought up. I mean, it's something I can – Say it could be a thing, because like you said, he could have he could be one of these guys. Like they've been a starter their whole life. We've even seen we saw this last year for the eighteen games that he played. He didn't start, and you could tell that it threw off his psyche in his game. And granted, right. I don't think JB Bickerstaff empowered Dylan Brooks in the same way last year as he did his rookie year, or in the same way that Taylor Jenkins is doing this year. But it's not like he, it's th- this is the thing that's so confusing with Dylan Brooks. He hasn't even been putting up bad numbers. He's averaging 14, yeah. three and two. He's playing yeah. decent defense and he's an above average three point shooter. I'm, I don't understand why people are just like, like, I think it's just the hate is kind of unsolicited. Um, the Grizzlies haven't had a wing scorer like Dylan Brooks since Rudy Gay. And people are complaining about him. I don't get it. Yeah, it's I don't understand the Dylan Brooks slander. I mean, you, I mean, both of us have been on the Dylan Brooks train for a while. I think he's a he's a good scorer in the NBA, and he's going to have a good career. And he is putting up he's putting up good numbers. Like he may be inconsistent, he may take bad shots, yes. But at the end of the day, he's putting up numbers, and when he plays well, the Grizzlies won, and that's a good sign of things. I think that even the fact that we're having a discussion of do we move Dylan Brooks, it just shows how productive and how impactful De'Anthony Belton has actually been when he's on the basketball court. Um, like his win share is .109. The league average is a, point, is, a, is a .1. Dylan Brooks is sitting at a .026. Grayson Allen is actually at a .044. So just right there, it's showing the immediate impact that De'Anthony Belton's going to have. And I do think that his age being 21 does make it just kind of the obvious choice that he's the one that the Grizzlies are gonna, going to invest into. Now, with this this kind of three guy logjam at that two position, it's gonna make the it's gonna make the offseason interesting because Dylan Brooks might get overpaid by someone. I, I still think that he screams Nick's overpay to me. And how far do you go in a contract negotiation to keep Dylan Brooks, especially when you have guys like D'Anthony Melton and Grayson Allen? Because it's really turned out that D'Anthony Melton was the crown jewel, I guess, of that trade that we made with Phoenix. It's it does seem like that we traded in Javon Carter for a better uh, for a better wing for a better two guard or a better backup point guard. It, it's we've really upgraded to that position, and it, it's just another example of King Kleiman doing his work, man. Yeah, it's 
definitely an interesting conversation now that we're seeing why people were clamoring for D'Anthony Melton to be in the rotation. I mean, he's he's really good. Like he's been a really impactful player for the Grizzlies on both ends of the court. And also to the emergence of Grayson Allen as a three-point weapon, it kind of embodies that let it fly system. But also too, they have him at a really, really good price while he's on his rookie right. deal. Um, it's just one of those things. I think I would draw the line at like, I think it depends on what uh, you can get for Melton. If you can get Melton for five, like a three and 15 or a four and 20, and then I would then cut, like I would have that max a little bit for Dylan Brooks at like 10. Because I think okay. at that point, both are keepable. But also, too, it gives you one year to explore the possibility of moving Dylan Brooks to the three. Now, that's something that I'm really, I do like that. I do like that a lot because Dylan Brooks is bigger than I think people realize. And I think that he could be successful at that three position. So that's something they could play around with, too. That's, that is why this season is oddly such a gift. We have John Morant, who's on his rookie of the year campaign right now, and it's looking like he's possibly going to win it. It, or probably going to win it. We have Jaron Jackson Jr. improving and turning into the big man, Ray, Ray Allen, right before our eyes, which is a beautiful sight. I think I almost passed out in the FedEx Forum when he hit the, that, those seven threes in a quarter. It was like it was like watching the Mona Lisa be painted. It was it was beautiful. But it's, this season is, is one that Jenkins can play around with his lineups. He can play around with his rotations because we do have so many of these kind of pieces that we don't know – exactly who is going to stick for the 100% future of the Grizzlies. It's, I think we can all agree that it seems like Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and I guess Jonas because of his contract and Brandon Clark, those are kind of the guys that we know are going to be around next season. Everyone else is kind of up in the air. I would say DeAnthony Melton is kind of a – he's kind of a – 100% going to be around. Grayson Allen's going to 100% be around. But then you have guys like Dylan Brooks, like you said. I'm kind of around with you. I think that 10 mil to 12 and a half would be my cap for Dylan Brooks, where I would put his value at. Now, it's I like that you talked about Tyus Jones, because I think Tyus is a lesson, I guess, for all of us as NBA fans, as Grizzlies fans. We have to be patient with these guys when they come into a new system, especially when Tyus Jones came from a situation that's not the best in Minnesota. He came into Memphis. He, he struggled for, uh, I guess, struggled is, is a loose word to say he struggled. But he didn't play as well as we thought he was going to for the first few weeks. But then he's really turned it on. He's playing like the player that we paid him for. He's, not only did he bring us those draft picks, but he is, he is, I think, putting up more production than Dylan Wright would. He's great for, to be behind John Morant. He's playmaking on with the second unit. When you have guys like Brandon Clark that needs to get the ball in their hands and that's so efficient, having a guy like Tyus Jones throwing it to him for that second unit, he's been so valuable this season. I think that his leadership is really starting to shine through. And I think John Morant is he's, – he's kind of slowed it down. And I don't know if his – I don't know if his field goal attempts have gone down because kind of the vets in the locker room are saying like, hey, like you can pick and choose your spots a little bit more if it's the injury that's causing him to slow down a little bit. I don't think it's a concern at all because he's still playing efficiently. He's still playing electric. He's still making things happen. But you can kind of see the pace of the game kind of slowing down for these guys. And I don't think it's, it's a surprise that they're actually only one and a half games out of the playoffs. It's, 
it was a surprise early on in the season. We were just like, okay, this team's a little bit better than we think. And yes, the schedule's beneficiary for the Grizzlies right now. It's not the best, but this team can really make some noise right now. And I think that every single move that they have made has been justified, and we have seen the results of it. And coming up, you talked about Jay, Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. I don't like at the beginning of the season. I was like, yeah, get rid of both of them. But now. I don't know if you have to get rid of both of them. I would like for them to get rid of Jay, rid of Jay Crowder. He has a lot of value. Um, I think that he's not playing at 100% his level right now. He kind of knows that he's going to get traded and he's probably not going to be here. But I think that Solomon Hill has been very valuable this season. He's hitting threes, he's playing defense, and it seems like he's a great vet to have in the locker room. Yeah, I just I always had the philosophy of you can't have a locker room full of kids. And I, right. that's why I'm like, okay, tr- you can trade Jay Crowder because he has value. They, there will be some contender that want that wants him because just despite what he's been doing this year, he has that pedigree of, okay, this guy has helped teams in playoff runs. We need to go get this guy. We'll go give Memphis a bad contract and a pick. And But Solomon Hill, I, I think he's just been a revelation this year. I mean, he's shooting – He's playing the best basketball of his career for one. He's actually, is that one of those scenes where it's like, oh, he's a great veteran leader. Like, he's actually producing too. He's shooting 40% for three. Yeah, he's helping him win. Right. And I know the whole thing of like, let's not forget the long game here and all that stuff. But the Grizzlies aren't winning games because Jonas Valanciunas is averaging 20 and 10 or because Solomon Hill is averaging 12 a game and taking a lot of minutes or Jay Crowder's averaging 15 a game. The Grizzlies are winning because of their young players. They're winning because their bench spearheaded by Tyus Jones's playmaking, Grayson Allen shooting, Brandon Clark's hyper efficiency, Kyle Anderson's playmaking. They've kind of held it together to just kind of build and sustain leads that are uh, made over the course of the game. But also, too, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. just blossoming into a full-on unicorn and shooting seven, eight threes a game at a 40% clip. That's going to produce wins. You're also getting De'Anthony Melton, who's been one of the most unsung, impactful players, as we've literally talked about this entire podcast. You also have Dylan Brooks, a 30-year player, blossoming into a perimeter score, whether it's from creating his own shot or just spot up threes. John Morant's still playing well. It's it's not one of those things where the Grizzlies are obviously sacrificing for the veterans. Yes, they are have catered. Jenkins has probably catered to the veterans a little bit. But at the end of the day, they went 8-8 eight and eight this past month, and they are in the playoff race because of the young players. And I think that just isn't talked about enough. Right. It. The the young Grizzlies are they are outperforming our expectations and I and I do think that our expectations were high for a lot of them. But I mean Jaron Jackson Jr. is kind of right where we thought he was going to be. That three point shooting though was I'm not gonna act like that I predicted that. I thought that he would improve at the three point line, but what he's doing right now is so encouraging and it's it's thrilling to watch. You're seeing the potential right before your eyes. It is it's pretty remarkable how good he is already at his young age. So you could say the same stuff about John Morant. We all knew he was going to be electric. He was my favorite for rookie of the year, even with Zion coming in. And you're just showing his playmaking ability and how much impact he can have on the game. And then Brandon Clark, his efficiency is, I don't remember the last time I saw Brandon Clark miss a shot. And that is, it's just, it's, it, his efficiency has been amazing to watch, but 
I want to give you a player A, player B scenario, and I, you just tell me which player that you would like to see, okay? So player A, this is per 36, 13.7 points, 6.9 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.9 steals, 0.6 blocks, okay? He shoots 55% from the field, 37% from three. Player B, 15.6, 8.1 rebounds, 6.6 assists, 2.9 steals, 0.5 blocks, 48% from two, 36% from three. Which player would you rather have? Player B. Okay. Per 100 possessions, player A, 19.4 points, 9.7 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 2.7 steals, 0.9 blocks. Player B, 20.3 points, 10.5 rebounds, 8.5 assists, 3.8 steals, 0.6 blocks. And now remember, this is per 100 possessions. Which player would you rather have, player A or B? Player B. Okay. Player A is Kawhi Leonard at age 21 in his second season. Player B is DeAnthony Melton, age 21 in his second season. Now, I wanted to do that because I am in no way saying that DeAnthony Melton is going to be Kawhi Leonard. I am just showing that his impact and his potential is there. He is putting up the numbers that Kawhi Leonard has. He is not, he is not going to be Kawhi Leonard of two guards, but he can be a very good two guard and a very good two-way two-guard, and he's going to make plays on the defensive end and on the offensive end. He's going to make impacts on the game. I've already talked about his, his win shares and his PER compared to the other two guards. It's just at his young age, the impact that he's having, the impact that John Morant's having, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s having, and Brandon Clark's having, and Dylan Brooks, all of our young players are, are what, what's making this team win. And that's why all of this worry about the Grizzlies – I guess going off course and not sticking to the plan just because they might make the playoffs. I don't really put much weight into that because I think that the Grizzlies are sticking to their plan. It's the young players that are leading us towards this direction. Yeah, it's great that Jonas Valanciunas is doing well and that Kyle Anderson is doing well, but the young guys are leading this ship. And if they make the playoffs because of these young guys, that doesn't mean that they went off course. I just don't think you make any front office moves to try to make the playoffs. Keep trying to go for the rebuild. Still make the moves that you wanted to make when the season started. But also enjoy this fun ride because the playoffs, um, two months ago, I would have slapped you in the face if you told me the Grizzlies were going to make the playoffs. But it's not just a pipe dream anymore. The West is worse than we thought it was going to be. There was a lot of injuries. So, I mean, crazier things have happened, I guess. I love it. I couldn't really say it better myself. And to close the show, should I do the same exercise for the one I told you about? Yes. All right, so per, I did this per 100 possessions. Player A, 21.8 points, 6.4 rebounds, 3.9 assists, shooting 43% from the field, 39.4% from three, 87% from the free throw line. Player B, 26.1 points, 4.3 rebounds, three assists, 44.4% from the field, 39% 39.5% from three, 79% from the free throw line. Player A or player B? Player B. Player B? Okay, yeah. well, this wasn't as successful as yours, but <laughs> player A was Grayson Allen this year, and player B was J.J. Redick in year two. And I more so did that because we see analytics Twitter, they they use the base, the primary base of their judgments off the analytics. 
And the main thing I was looking at here was they had the same analytics that are used when when these analysts say Grayson Allen's a bad player. Offensive box plus minus. Grayson Allen, negative 0.7. J.J. Redick, negative 0.9. Defensive box plus minus. Grayson Allen, negative 3.2. And J.J. Redick was a negative 3.4. Box plus minus, negative 3.8. Grayson, negative 4.3. J.J. Redick. And then value of a replacement player was at negative 0.2. So I kind of just use that one to kind of show like, for one, players aren't finished products no matter how long they played in college. They're both four-year players. And obviously, J.J. Redick showed a lot of progression. I mean, he's one of he's a transcendent shooter. I'm not even saying that Grayson Allen could be J.J. Redick, but it goes to show you the analysts don't always tell the whole story because despite what those say, he's shown a lot of value as seen in the per 100 possessions numbers and the shooting percentages. He can shoot fairly well. I mean, he's shown that he can at least be a three-point threat off the bench. He also, when he's not shooting, he makes plays off the dribble. And, but he also doesn't force things off the dribble as well. He can facilitate out of it, or he can score it in between and at the rim. And he also does a good job leaking out in transition. So, yeah, the, yeah. the future's and not I, that bad. I actually, no, I put up the numbers now that you're talking about it. And now that I'm looking at it, I probably would have taken Grayson Allen. I missed the total rebounds, and like that gap is actually pretty big. So I would definitely take Grayson Allen there. But – this season, I think, has just proved that all of the hate of Grayson Allen, that was just a product of groupthink. Let's be honest. He's done really nothing in the NBA when he's been on the Grizzlies. Yeah, he hit great Grant Williams in the head. It was a bad look. He apologized for it. We moved on. Point is, dude can ball. He puts up numbers. He's a good player to have. You want someone with some dog in him. You want a guy that's kind of a villain on the court. He, he has all the potential in the world to become a sniper from three. Like you said, he makes plays defensively. He makes plays offensively. He hustles. He goes for rebounds. He's scrappy. He's all the things that Grizzlies players and Grizzlies fans would love in the past. It's just that his name is Grayson Allen. If his name was anything else, he would be a player that the Grizzlies fans love. But it's just because he's Grayson Allen that everyone was so hesitant. But I think that we're starting to see a change in the tide. It seems like people are starting to come around on him and starting to see – oh, this is how valuable this guy can actually be for the Grizzlies moving forward. I mean, he's only played 19 games this season, but he's had an impact in every single game that he's really played. Every game he's gotten good minutes in, you notice him on the court because he's doing so many things. So, I mean, I got to give you all the credit, man. You were the guy at the front of the great Allen train for a while. Uh, you got me on the train. You got a bunch of other people on the train, but you were right. You saw it from, from the get-go. It's, it's so hard to sometimes separate a player's personality and his reputation from his name when you're seeing what he can actually do. But we've seen the Grizzlies do it before in the past. I mean, how many reclamation projects do we need to talk about with the Grizzlies? It's kind of our thing. So it just it makes sense that Grayson Allen could really become a valuable NBA player in Memphis because it's kind of what, what players do when they come here. It's, they might have a bad reputation and stuff, but Memphis is a place where you can come and you can kind of reinvent yourself. And it's been fun to see Grayson Allen playing very well these last few weeks. Yes, sir. Again, Connor, couldn't say better myself. We're about out of time here, but do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I guess my final thought is that it's just, it's very encouraging that we are talking at the halfway point right now, where I guess at Christmas, we just had a whole podcast and we barely talked about John Moran, Jaron Jackson Jr. 
and Brandon Clark. There are so many other young players on this Grizzlies team to be excited about. And we have a great problem right now. When you have Dylan Brooks, Grayson Allen, Andy Anthony Melton all fighting for minutes in a position on, on your team, that's a great problem to have. If we called every single NBA team, most of them probably, what, 25 of them would want to take that problem that the Grizzlies have right now. So it's encouraging. The season's a lot of fun. Uh, ride that playoff train and, and hold on to that as long as you can. Because it's fun. And, and also the John Morant thing, congrats on, an, on a uh, rookie of the year or rookie of the month for the second time. It seems like he's on his way to be NBA rookie of the year. So it's just, I don't know if there's ever been a more exciting time to be a Grizzlies fan when they weren't continuously in the playoffs. It's just, it's so much fun and it's a complete 180 than where we were this time last year. Yes, sir. And Connor, thank you again for joining us on this week's Core 4. Tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at cdunning929. Uh, listen to Giannato and Jeffrey every single day from 2 to 4 CT on 929 ESPN. We're going to be back on January 6th. Next Monday, we're going to be back doing our regular times. Uh, we're starting our cash contest now, so make sure you're listening at the top of your hour if you're a chance $20,000. $1,000 is dope, and so is the Giannato and Jeffrey Show. You can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Find the podcast Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast with the number four, not the word four. You can find the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies or on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. Lots of great content coming up as the new year comes, as we exit one decade and enter another. And with that, that's it.